Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, We're sitting here at 12.06 a.m., the day after Wink Martindale's firing on one twenty two twenty two, to talk about uh, the Wink Martindale era in Baltimore. Here to join me uh, for this episode is Jim Zipcode. Uh, Jim, how you doing, my friend? Great, Ken. Thank you for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for offering. By the way, really appreciate the uh, uh, the offer. Something you know, if, a lot of times you'd like to wait and and understand more about this situation as right. it evolves. But I think maybe it's more important to just reflect upon 
what Wink Martindale brought to the Ravens than what might have been the differences with Harbaugh. And I guess we can't we, we can't escape an episode like this without speculating on that. But but I really want to focus on the good that he did because he was a terrific defensive coordinator for three full seasons and a fourth one where he had a very difficult deck of cards to uh, to play with. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's um, I'm shocked that he's gone. Honestly, he seemed to me so. You, uh, uh, to my mind, before Wink, I would say that the the quintessential, the archetypical, archetypal mm-hmm. Ravens defensive coordinator was Rex Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you had to name a defensive coordinator for life for the Ravens, you would have mentioned you would have had you would have mentioned Rexy, right? Like mm-hmm. he was the guy, you know, uh, uh, organized chaos, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, I think Wink was in that mold for me as being a guy who I would happily have as defense coordinator for life of the Ravens, a, a Ravens style of defense that fans liked to watch play, and that was uh, very effective, high risk, high reward, exciting. Um, so I'm shocked about this, honestly. I I am too. And I can't figure out what, you know, there might be. I, I, it almost, it almost makes me believe there's, there's more to this than we can see. We're seeing the tip of the iceberg and there's 80% of it is below the waterline here. But uh, Martindale uh, came to Ravens obviously in 2018 as the DC, but he'd spent six years as the linebackers coach before that. The entire Dean Pease era, he was the Ravens linebackers coach. So, you know, this is a succession plan. One of the interesting things about this, and, and uh, you know, I, this is in terms of really being self-effacing about my own viewpoint, I was kind of upset they hired Martindale so quickly when they did in 2018. I thought, you know, obviously he was a very popular coach internally, uh, had had a chance previously in Denver as a defensive coordinator that didn't work out. And it didn't really make sense to me that the premier defensive job in the entire NFL, from my perspective, is immediately handed out to a guy who, uh, you know, had been an internal candidate and, 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 you know, not a high profile guy whatsoever. We should should be talking about the hottest coordinators in the league should want this Baltimore job. I mean, it's a great, great when you talk about the premier defensive job in the league, what you're talking about is a job that has historically been a springboard to head coaching jobs. You go back to Marvin Lewis, you go back to Rex Ryan, Chuck Pagano. I mean, this is, this is a job that people take and their next uh, Mike Nolan, Yep. You know, this is a job that people only leave from to become head coaches. Uh, yeah, I, I shouldn't say only, but they either leave they, the NFL <laughs> like uh, like Pops Madison did or, right. um, or or they become head coaches. I think it was, I think it, would, it might have been four, four to five at one point. So so Madison was the one guy who had. And so Pagano did. Mm-hmm. Left and, and became coach of the Colts. And, and they had uh, uh, Ryan and Nolan and Lewis. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, of if Dean he's P. left, obviously, Dean otherwise. He's retired and then unretired. Yeah. But is there another coordinator we're missing who's here for one year that I'm forgetting? Well, Pagano, uh, I think, was only one year, right? So yeah. under Harbs, so before Harbs, it was Marvin Lewis, Mike Nolan, and Rex Ryan, right? Rex Ryan up through 08, then Madison in 09 and 10, I think, and then Pagano, Pagano in 11. And then Pease, mm-hmm. and then Martindale. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So Martindale, I, you know, just in terms of it's a, it's a it's obviously a very high class group. Jack Del Rio never got the job. He was in a succession plan to get it, but he he left for a head coaching job before he got the Ravens job. It's a it's it's a it's the kind of job that should attract basically the top candidate. You shouldn't yes. have to have to beg anybody to come to this job. The, 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 
the, the front office values defense. They draft for it. They, you know, they, they spend a lot of, uh, of capital on the position, both in terms of, uh, of cap and draft cap. And it's, you know, it, it should be a very saleable position. Anyway, I was kind of upset. And then we saw who Wink was in his very first season in 2018. And yeah, the Ravens, you know, change their offense on the fly in that year from a Flacco led offense to a Jackson led offense where they, they really changed their identity at mid season during that year, not all the way to the successful 2019 offense, but they ran the football very effectively against some very bad defenses down the stretch and, and made the playoffs doing it. And they played complimentary football, right? Where the defense backed it up and the, and the offense fed the defense. Yep. That's, that's exactly the point. That is exactly the point is that, is that that defense was perfect for a pace and control offense like the Ravens wanted to run. And, and you know, it was a progressive despair kind of situation that became even more fun to watch in 2019 when the Ravens really progressive despair. Yeah. Yes. We, we touched upon this in the, in the tight ends podcast uh, where you see the other team get ground down, right? You see the, the body language of the defensive front seven, you see the head coach of the, on the opposing sideline throwing his damn headset you see the the opposing quarterback sitting on the bench, just staring off into space while the the Ravens offense is ripping off five and six yard gains, and the clock is just ticking down, and the opportunity for the comeback is dwindling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ken, I think we lost your sound. I see your lips moving. No, it happens. There we go. Happens every show. So <laughs> there's a there's a mute accident. So anyway, it happened again. It's, you know, there's there's a there's a fine middle ground between wanting to be quiet when you're having a drink, yes. and and then losing 15 minutes of the podcast, 15 <laughs> seconds of the podcast. Anyway, it's a, that's about 15 minutes of the season in podcasts we've lost to 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 do the mute. But I appreciate. I think there that. are two things that I would like to discuss about Wink Martindale, and and mm-hmm. one is his fit with the Ravens organizational culture and how that feeds into who the next guy would be. And number two is whether he quote deserved unquote to be fired off of this season. Okay. That's, that's reasonable. And let's get to both those points, but I want to start with something a little different and that is who Wink Martindale really was yeah. as a defensive coordinator. Cause yeah. I think a lot of people don't really realize this. And, and, you know, this is the time I don't want to use the, the word is not appropriately used as a eulogy, but this is the appropriate time to, to really reflect on yes. who Martindale was as a coordinator. Yes. And, and when he came in 18, I mean, the he brought a lot of things to the Ravens concept wise. They'd never done before. You know, the package that I refer to as race car, a four outside linebacker package. He was the first one ever to play that. In fact, he played it with five in 2018 on six different snaps. Uh, it was, it's, it was a cool thing that he brought in in 2018 for, for a total of six snaps. Anyway, it became a dominant part of the defense in 2019. Uh, where they they had a five to make four unit, they had a number what's of guys. A, that, what's a five to make four? Meaning unit? they had out there five outside linebackers where they were activating four. Oh, when gotcha. They, when they you know they had four, they could activate on a on a weekly basis, or, they, or sometimes they activated five, um, and that that continued on into 2020 with that five to make four approach, uh, and it, and it was able they were able to maintain four even when McPhee got hurt in that Seattle game. Uh, in 2019. So they still had the personnel to play four outside linebackers on over 13% of the snaps. Now, let's, let's look at the three dominant packages from that year. They played they played that that race car 13.2% of the snaps. They played base defense 10.6% of the time. 10.6. They're, they're base 34 defense. I mean, you, should, you, you play that all the time, right? You know, anytime the, the, the opponent has 12 or 21 personnel, you might be in that uh, might be in that package, but the Ravens so frequently had the lead and they knew exactly what to do with it when they had the lead. 
that, that Martindale had the luxury of playing a lot of this. The other thing that he had a lot of luxury of playing out was a ton of dime. And the Dean Pease era, the dime had died. Mm-hmm. Dean Pease hated it. And Martindale, he, he only really used it towards the end, uh, bringing it back. I think at a threat from Harbaugh, and this may have been a case where Harbaugh and Pease really disagreed at a basic level and may have been a, a triangle with the front office who had a long history of drafting cheap safeties yeah. to play that role. And I mean, they, they may have had the, con- the, the conversation with Pease multiple times is you've got to figure out how to get safeties inside involved in pass defense because we can get them cheap as hell and it makes our, our job of getting platoon linebackers a lot easier. Right. This is an organizational decision. It's not your choice. Right. And and eventually Anthony Levine got the job in 2018 and, and he had He's tremendous at it. At, at, yeah. At the at the time the, the greatest year ever for a Ravens dime. Uh, that was it was eclipsed in 2019 by Clark. And and those those two guys and the success they had were, I mean, they were Martindale era guys. He's allowed a little bit of dime in his last season, but his first five years, only 3% dime the Ravens played, which is incredible. If you think about it in today's NFL, that you'd have a coach that was so committed to a, to a two inside linebacker um, uh, scheme in, a, in a, right. as progressive a system as the Ravens have had. Uh, I think, um, when you talk about who Wink Martindale is, uh, he's an interesting coach career-wise, and I want to contrast him to a guy on the Ravens staff currently who is being talked about as, as a hot candidate to replace Martindale, and that's uh, it's the current linebackers coach, I think, McDonald, Mike McDonald. Is that uh, Mike McDonald is actually at Michigan. He, he, he was with the Ravens. He went to Michigan for this season, right. but he's definitely, he's definitely a candidate to return. So he's and, a guy, McDonald. So he's he's often described as a as a whiz kid coach, a hot mm-hmm. a hot candidate. But he's a guy who started his coaching career in the NFL. You know, so he's a bright, shiny face. Who, um, so let's contrast that with Wink Martindale, who started his coaching career in in 1986 at Defiance College, which I've actually never heard of. I guess it's Division Three. Who knows? And he. This is a guy who worked his way up to the NFL. And, and when you talk about guys who begin their coaching career in, in nowhere, you know, in high school or Division three or whatever, like the guys mm-hmm. who have to sweep the gym as well as coach, you know, every position and take whoever they're able to get on the team that year and get an effective unit out of them. Um, uh, th- those are nuts and bolts coaches who can take guys from high school and, and, and form an effective unit out of them. Now, he talked about Martindale here. He was uh, at Cincinnati, the College of Cincinnati, from 1996 to 98, which paired him with such names as Jerry Rosberg, John Harbaugh, Rex Ryan. Um, uh, so that, when you look at the, if you try to identify the cradle of Ravens coaches, oh, yeah. You want to look at the mid-90s College of Cincinnati like coaching roster, coaching staff. Um, that's where a lot of these guys come from. So, so Wink's relationship with Harbs goes way back to then. Wink's relationship with the Ryan brothers goes back to them. He said uh, at his defensive coordinator hiring press conference that he was uh, the third Ryan brother or the third Ryan twin. <laughs> um, and it's interesting when you look at his coaching career – he was an assistant with the Raiders when Rob Ryan was defensive coordinator with the Raiders. 
And then when Wink was defense coordinator, obviously this season, they hired Rob Ryan to be linebackers coach. So they switched roles. So uh, this is a guy with deep ties to the Ryan philosophy of attacking defenses and with deep ties to John Harbaugh and, and what I consider to be deep coaching knowledge in the sense of he started at a ground level coaching non-elite guys and worked his way up to the NFL. So it, it's a career that I respect tremendously and a background that I respect tremendously. And it's, it's a, a very tight tie with who the Ravens have been over the last 10 to 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we, we did a show, I did a show with Deb Penchwa, uh over last summer. So a year, it's, it's, it's been almost a year past now, but where we talked about all of the defensive coordinators in Ravens history and did, kind of compared and contrasted. It's a two-part series if people want to go back and take a look at that. But one of the things about, um, about Martindale is he's right up there with Rex in terms of aggressiveness on defense, blitz percentage and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, uh, blitz blitz percentage for sure, but also just scheming for pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Ravens have have not done as much of that. They certainly did not do as much of it with Pease. And I, you know, I would just say the natural bent of Dean Pease was more of a um, I'm bend only, but don't break cover. I, I, I'm only going to provide the amount of pressure that I think is necessary. To, to, to reach the minimum of the boiling point. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Martindale's thing is I'm going to, I'm going to try to ratchet up the pressure all the way up to here. And then I might dial it back. If, <laughs> so they're, they're, they're kind of approaching. He's going to provide problem. Wink's going to provide the minimum coverage necessary yeah. to, uh, to be able to throw the kitchen sink at you. Yeah. And, and, and be able to maintain a lot of different trickery because the Ravens, I, I, I've looked at the Ryan era and the Martindale era in terms of uh, the, the key components, which are the three key deception components, which are simulated pressures. That's the number of times you drop two plus from the line of scrimmage. And Wink and, and, um, and Ryan are in the same group there. They both did it a lot. Uh, the num- number two is uh, how often you blitz somebody from off the line of scrimmage. And Ryan did that even more than Wink did, okay. which is, which is uh, you know, I guess not surprising to people who really know Rex Ryan that, that he would be more aggressive in that manner. And then stunts are the third. And those are kind of inversely related to uh, blitzes in some ways. Uh, but both those coach, both coaches are about the same there, which I would have expected not to be true. Uh, the big stunting defensive coordinator all time is Marvin Lewis. He had a he, he had the the early Ravens teams and, and particularly the '99 and 2000 Ravens who were both very good uh, stunt a ton. Very good. Would you would you yes. say they were very good? Defenses? Yes. The '99 team. A lot of people, you know, whose memory Pittsburgh Steelers history begins for Pittsburgh Steelers fans at the Immaculate Reception. Right. Ravens history starts begins in 2000, in, in, but not in 2000. It's true. The media guy too, by the way. It's not. It's it's a it's. It's just awful. I mean, yeah. that, 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 <laughs> the ninety nine unit was very good. It was great, and and you know they they got scarred by the Mitchell thing and losing a couple games at the beginning of the year, but they came back with a great four game winning streak, and that was the beginning of the dynasty. I mean, that, that was beginning Ray Lewis too, yeah. like as as a as an elite player. I would I would argue he was already elite, but that's well, okay. okay. We don't have to we don't have to disagree on that. It's it's um uh let's let's talk about Wink again. Um, the, the, the package specificity is the other thing, is that Wink always had a very extreme package 
for a very extreme situation. And in fact, he also, he really had a more extreme package. What do you mean? What's an extreme package? Okay, so so race car or mm-hmm. playing a lot of quarter when you I need see. to play quarter is it would be would be something or playing playing dime was appropriate. You know, he when when it was a he would change his strategy, you know, from game to game during the season to use a lot of big nickel as needed against teams that w- wanted to play a lot of 12 personnel and he didn't really want to have a third cornerback on the field yet he knew that that tight end was going to often be split wide and he wanted to have an appropriate guy to cover him well he put a third safety instead of a third corner on the field he was um unafraid you know he 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 uh i'm sorry i'm trying to say four different things at once and i'm getting a little tongue-tied here uh he uh, to me, this ties into the point of having worked with non-elite players, uh, you know, so what I would call beginning players um, and very young players, uh, you know, guys who did not have an NFL future. Uh, and he was used to teaching that kind of guy. And when he got to the NFL and when he had NFL caliber talent and really all pro caliber talent with the Ravens, he was unafraid to turn those guys loose and rely on the teaching and their instincts and, and who I want to contrast him with. uh, And I don't have your numbers here. This is just a fan's eyeball opinion, but I thought that Dean Pease had a highly structured defense to the point where it had so many rules that guys would sometimes be hesitant and not play to their instincts. In other words, you would sometimes see guys play a little slow. It, and it I wasn't, felt, I'm sorry, it no, wasn't please. a good era for the Ravens uh, from 12 to 17. They had one great pass rush unit in 2014. Um, the defense was otherwise, uh, I thought, you know, I don't believe Dean Pease was a bad defensive coordinator. Not at all. Start with that. Not at all. No. I, and I, I think that other teams, if, if you're looking at where does he fall on the spectrum, he still falls 75th percentile of, of all defensive coordinators in the league and sure. and, uh, and where you could have. He just he, he, he probably did not take full advantage of the playmakers the Ravens had on defense in that era. They, they didn't have Ray Lewis. They didn't have Ed Reed. That's true. But they had they had Trail Suggs and they had Haloti Nada and they had other players who who did some awfully good things. Jimmy Smith would be another example of that. Um, where they did lack at, at some during that era was at safety, um, and they, they they got Weddle at the you know the very end of that. But they had a bunch of bad safeties, including Elam and Ihedebo and players like that that were in there for uh, you know a fair amount of playing time as well. What year was the playoff game versus the Patriots with the eligible, ineligible receiver? 14. Um, so to me, and, 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 you know, it's easy as a fan to put too much weight on a specific thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the room, whatever. But that particular situation to me was uh, uh, the confusion that the Patriots uh, created in the Ravens defense on, on those plays would never have happened when Ray and Ed were on the field, you know, because of the, the, the intelligence and the film study and the reactivity to the situation. You know, those guys would have identified the mismatch and what was trying to be accomplished and they would have adjusted. In other words, there was a high degree of, of, of spontaneous reactive intelligence on the field, you know, players with initiative who could recognize that this, 
situation is non-standard to our rules, so we're going to need to adapt. Right. They, they had a rookie inside linebacker, C.J. Mosley, that season, so so it's easy to put the blame on him. He only got the green dot at about week six at Tampa. Whenever they yeah. played Tampa, that was his first game. Um, you know, they had, I guess, Zach Orr was their second linebacker that year. I'm trying to remember uh, who was the who was the other inside guy. But it's true. They, they didn't have that one guy who could pick up on that. And I think, you know, Harbaugh reacted ex- like like he did, including an intentional um, an intentional penalty for yeah, intentional you know, penalty to to uh, uh, to say that hey, this represents a personnel change. You need to allow us to react to this defensively if he says he's eligible. And Do I you remember I, the uh, Patriots' imperfect season, uh, two thousand seven? Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. So the Ravens, you know, they had that. So that that game came down to a fourth down play, and mm-hmm. and you know, Rex Ryan called a timeout. Mm-hmm. But you know, so on that particular play, uh, Ray and Ed were on the field, and the Patriots did something deceptive, which caused. Rexy to want to call a timeout. I think the Ravens maybe were in run defense personnel and the Patriots shifted to a pass formation or the other way around. But if you watched the Ravens defenders, I'm talking about the individual defenders watching their eyes and their faces, they were all over it. You know, Ray was pointing this guy out and that guy out. They were adjusting Mm -hmm. and they had it under control. You know, on their own initiative and from their own intelligence, they were able to make the adjustments on the fly. Now, I mean, Hall of Famers, fine. But Dean, to me, so I've coached basketball. And when I say mm-hmm. I've coached basketball, like I'm not exactly much Shetsky. I coach 10-year-old girls and 11-year-old girls. There you go. Okay. But your job is to uh, give the players the instincts and knowledge and situational awareness and, you know, recognition to adjust to things that, um, to adjust to things, to see and adjust to things. Mm-hmm. Right. And the defenses with, um, you know, obviously with Ray Lewis on the field, obviously with Ed Reed on the field, uh, who was the guy he, for a while had, he was played outside linebacker. I think he was a defensive lineman in college. Uh, he, uh, for a while, led the Ravens historically in games played, and then he shifted to the Chargers for the end of his career. Uh, Jared Johnson. Jared Johnson. That's another guy who is yeah, phenomenally intelligent. He knew exactly where he needed mm-hmm. to be and where other players needed to be. Um, so, so that's empowerment of players to adjust on the fly to what needs to be done. And then you get Dean Pease, who I think was a phenomenal teacher and structurer of defensive mm-hmm. schemes. You had a lot of young players and you wanted to build a new defense great at that. But I felt as a watcher that his defenses were so highly structured that sometimes the rules could get in the way of the def- of the player's natural instinctive reactions. And so when you go back to Wink Martindale, and this is where I've been trying to bring this for the last mm-hmm. few minutes, this is a guy who very much empowered his players to read and react and adjust on the fly and do the things that they felt they needed to do. Players coach, that's for sure. We saw that come up in the in the game where he got sacks by five different defensive mm-hmm. backs. Yeah, and that's just that's remarkable to happen in one game. Period. It was the all time record by two. By the way, the previous <laughs> record had been three. So uh, it was it was re- remarkable from 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 several perspectives there. But I agree with your 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 other comment about 
um, you know, at trusting your players to, to be who they are. I mean, Marcus Peters was a player who a lot of teams hadn't really uh, figured out how to use properly. You know, they, mm-hmm. they wanted to stop gambling. Well, no, that's that's the wrong use of Marcus, you Marcus Peters. Have him gamble and, and make the good gambles. It's like Marcus Peters is a card counter back there. Telling yeah. him not to gamble is a mistake. Yeah, uh, you know he he will he will figure out you know what is a what is a good risk or not. And I, I don't I, I I'm not claiming that Marcus Peters you know knows the percentages well enough to judge what, but he knows them intuitively, kind of like a great center fielder knows the right. differential equation right. necessary to catch a fly ball. Right. You know, you, yes. you, uh, uh, he knows them intuitively, uh, and and those gambles. I mean, you're going to get burned occasionally, and occasionally he's going to make a very big play, and and he made more big ones that he than he got burned by in the Ravens. At least he made enough big ones. Uh, to make up and then some for the plays on which he got burned. And I, I'm, uh, I felt the same way about Ed Reed. The notions, anybody who, who told me Ed Reed gambles too much. No. Immediately that guy drops in my estimation of his football <laughs> knowledge tremendously. I, I, I'm going to have a hard time having a conversation with that guy. Yeah. And it, it, and 20 year old Ken would have gotten upset with the guy and, and, and really put him down. Mm-hmm. Over that uh, all the time and made an effort to to to, to kind of got into an argument about this. Fifty eight year old Ken at least could could just let the guy go. <laughs> right. <laughs> but 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 I I don't have a lot of respect for that. And and unfortunately, I find some of that as well for people who don't can't immediately find the good grounds for talking about why Greg Roman ought to be fired. I'm not saying there are none. Right. But you but you, you you better come up with a good argument that doesn't say, well, look what happened this season. Bad play ball call after bad play call. Well, no, that's not what I saw this season. Right. And and I, you know, you, I saw bad results. Come, yeah. Yes. Yes, that's true. I, I, I just need you to come to the table with a better argument. So that, that is one show we're going to do. And I've got a couple of guys coming on who, who do have a good idea of like they're not the Ravens weren't, you know, building to a plan or they weren't making the best use of the assets they have. That's fine. Well, let's, mm-hmm. let's talk that out. You know, yeah. but but the you know it's just bad play calling that cost the 2021 Ravens a season. That's complete horseshit. I mean, just complete crap. So uh, I want to highlight a, a similarity between Greg Roman and Wink Martindale that maybe not everyone's aware of. So everyone knows that ahead of the 2019 season, so during that off season from 18 to 19, from Lamar's rookie season to Lamar's MVP season, Greg Roman rebuilt the Ravens' mm-hmm. offensive playbook. So he. Uh, the way it was reported is that he streamlined some of the verbiage. Mm-hmm. He clustered similar play calls into similar wording, you know, so that concepts were linked by similar words. Uh, and I'm using vague terms because I've never seen the Ravens playbook. I don't know right. what he did exactly. But the reporting was that he made it simpler to use and to, for the quarterback to call and right. for players to learn. The year before that, Wink Martindale's first season as Ravens defensive coordinator, Martindale spearheaded the same effort for the defense, and Harbaugh supported him in that. So they streamlined the defensive calls, reduced the verbiage, or maybe rationalized the verbiage. I don't know what they did to the verbiage. They made it easier for the players to structure and call. Uh, they, they did the same sweeping overhaul of the defensive playbook that they did of the offensive playbook. And for similar reasons to make it more user-friendly for the players, easier to teach young players and new players. Uh, And that is a huge undertaking. It's a bold undertaking. Mm -hmm. And the 2019 to 20 Ravens led the league in fewest points allowed. And points scored. 
<laughs> and and in points scored, so therefore obviously in differential, yeah. right? But yeah. but we're talking about the defense coordinator here. So right. so he was an innovator, uh, both in the schematic things that you were talking about, like the usage of dime and so forth, and also the use of extreme packages, but also in the verbiage and design of the Ravens defensive playbook. And he was working within the tradition of the Ryan brothers and, you know, a a deep Ravens connection. So, so this is a guy who is not to be lightly dismissed. I I don't, I I do not lightly dismiss him. In fact, he's probably the third greatest defensive coordinator the Ravens ever had. And and I'm going to argue that he might be the best. Yeah. I, that's fair. I mean, I, and he's definitely in that top three with yeah. Ryan. By the way, Ryan had two good years out of four. Ryan yeah. got away. Ryan got away with a trip to the bathroom in two thousand seven, where he had a trip incredibly injured. Well, that's what you call it when it was a bad game, a bad season. Okay. Um, when when, when uh, <laughs> I believe yeah. there's a, a reference to shit here. Is that is that where a trip to the bathroom? Comes uh, it, you make up your own thing with it. A trip okay. to the bathroom okay. is actually something I read in old Bill James book once. And I, oh, I, all right. I, I picked up the lingo from there. But but anyway, the the he was. He, he had, the 2007 season was completely injury marred in the Ravens secondary. Like, like Only topped, I think, by this season. Yeah, but yeah. it's 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 very similar. Like yeah. I used to call that the secondary of dying men. This year, the Ravens <laughs> were so much deeper to start with. Right at at corner, the the the, the fall was greater. And just like they 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 had an Everest of of defensive backs to start the year, so much that they were trading guys they just drafted yep. to, to to get a draft return in Sean Wade, and then they they fell so far into the ranks of the undrafted, unwanted street free agent guys. Right. So with, by with the having, end of the season, they are signing guys off the street to start for yeah. them the following week Warley, against friggin' Jamar yeah. Chase. I mean, yes. come on. It's preposterous. So so that's addresses the argument about whether Wink Martindale's performance earned him a firing. I, right. I think you and I agree, no way. Yeah. So so we, we don't we don't know. And we're doing this the, the night after right. the information has not all emerged in terms of what, how this transpired, what the plan was. I've heard one very credible thing online that I think I agree with is that, is that Harbaugh probably knew this was coming and Martindale as well, but as a goodwill gesture, and I think it was, it was a good one. They wanted to keep it a secret until after head coaching interviews were done, just so it wouldn't be a, a like a black mark on his record that he'd have to explain. And so it, it's it, it honestly is later than I would normally expect a um, defense coordinator to be fired for a team that's that, that you know wants to get it restarted as quickly as possible. Um, and I, I think the Ravens probably behind the scenes have already been looking, and and they've already been you know trying calling up a couple of guys they like McDonald probably among them in terms of uh, uh, you know hey when can we get you down here we're, we're gonna we're gonna be making moves there soon. So I want to point out two things. Uh, first of all, the Ravens have never brought in an outside defense coordinator. Every defense coordinator has been an internal promotion. Uh, well, McDonald was a pre- previous uh, right. Okay, that's that's great. But McDonald was a, was an internal guy for a number of years with the Ravens already. Oh yeah, I'm saying. But, but when you say when you talk about go- oh okay right. So if McDonald 
Right. So McDonald could be viewed as an internal candidate because yeah. he has been with the Ravens for a long time. Likewise, Joe Cullen, who left yes. this past year to go, is it? Did he go to the Jacksonville to be their coordinator? Uh, actually, I, I don't know. And what, did he go def- uh, coordinator or defensive line coach? I believe so, coordinator. Um, okay. He was for the Ravens. He was the defensive line coach. So they could hire Cullen and view him as an uh, as a quasi internal hire as well. Uh, but I think, as far as I know, Cullen has not yet been fired. So I, I wouldn't expect him to be a guy who would be coming back to Baltimore, but, but I don't know. But so the people who expect Eric Weddle, for example, to enter the NFL <laughs> as a defense coordinator, Harbaugh will never in his life hire a guy straight from college to be a coordinator. It's not right. going to happen. Uh, and the Ravens as an organization has never brought in an outside guy. Every guy has been on last year's staff has ascended mm-hmm to the coordinator role. So I find that very interesting. And we're talking about a legacy, uh, you know, a tradition of, you know, Marvin Lewis to Rex Ryan to Mike Nolan, who we mm-hmm. don't regard super highly now, but at, at the time was very hot to, uh, uh, to Rexy, to, to Pops Madison, to uh, Chuck Pagano. Pagano. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So the other thing I want to mention is, and I find this really intriguing uh, in the John Harbaugh era, when he has changed defensive coordinators, he has changed styles. You know, so Rex, he began with Rex, and Rex was, uh, I think we could safely call him aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and, and the guy who replaced Rex was a guy whom I would call a fairly vanilla coach in, in Greg Madison. He believed yeah. in guys winning their individual matchups, not in a lot of schemed pressure. And so we went from Greg Madison to Chuck Pagano, who was crazy. Yeah, Pagano uh, was, a, was a wild man. I yeah, didn't have the long enough tenure to really compare him to some of the other uh, big ones, but he he did a lot. He did a lot of of uh, scheming for pressure. That's for sure. Yeah, he 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 sent the kitchen sink. Uh, and I'd like to put a uh, put a pin in this. One of my favorite defensive uh, plays of all time was actually a, a situation where the ball was not snapped in the John, in the Chuck Pagano era. But then, so after Pagano, we went from a guy who was absolutely insane in terms of aggressiveness to Dean Pease, who I think was mm-hmm. we've talked about him already as being a very structured kind of sound coverage first, just enough pressure guy. And we went from Pease to Wink who was, um, you know, a high-pressure, send-the-house mm-hmm. guy. So when you look at that alternation, and, and I even think that there's a case to be made that switching styles might enhance your defense, right? If, if you've got a defense that is great at organized chaos and you have them play, if you switch them to like a sounder style, going from Rex Ryan to Greg Madison, you get – like some addition there. You get some additional structure, maybe. You go from that to aggressive, you know, you get some additional, you're with the scheme change, with a style change, with an emphasis change, you're you're adding an element to a defense that it didn't have under the last guy. Yeah, you may be able to take advantage of other qualities those players hadn't been maximizing and, and, and get them to do things um, remembering both styles even. Yes. And so to, to me, that is a clue, right? Like uh, what if the reason that Martindale and Harbaugh had had perhaps a philosophical parting of the ways, mm-hmm. what if the idea is that we've got to match up with, you know, Josh Allen in Buffalo and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city and whoever uh, Joe Burrow, for God's sakes, mm-hmm. we're, the Ravens, if they're going to advance in the playoffs in the AFC, they're going to have to cover. And, you know, what if this is a, you know, Wink doesn't want to not send the house. He doesn't want to not blitz. He doesn't want to sit back. And so well, this is 
I, I could just tell you this year, there was tremendous variation in what he did by game yeah. and by quarterback to, to do that. So I think, I, I think it would be really unfair to wink to say that he wasn't extremely adaptable. He, he, he was. He's a very extreme game plan, and that goes in both directions in terms of, of really holding off on the blitz and using a lot of four-man pressure um, and, and, and doing it with both numbers and with deception. I uh, honestly, I agree with you. I, I think that he should never have left the Ravens. But if I'm trying to construct an argument for what the hell's going on, to me, that suggests that the next guy is going to be a little bit of a sounder, coverage-based, only send enough guys defensive coordinator. Yeah, we, we, will, we won't know for some time what really happened here because it just seems like there must be something else, whether it's a personal disagreement or a... Or a uh, uh, I could come up with other things that I don't even want to speculate on. God forbid, a family illness. And, it could, and, could be a personal illness. Could yeah. be. Could be a, a you know. Uh, we've had all kinds of individual family matters, you know, that, that are out there. That, it, that it could yeah, be maybe he like needs that. to spend more time with his family for for yeah. something that that we need to pray for them for, and and that would be terrible news, you know. Yeah. Um, but but it it could also be a philosophical difference where. Um, uh, Harbaugh believes one thing and they've talked about it a number of times and they just don't see eye to eye on it. And I think Harbaugh and Dean Pease really did have that argument about the dime defense is that mm-hmm. Harbaugh being a defensive backs coach at one point, obviously everybody knows him for a special teams thing, but the right. year before he was a, he was a DB coach. Um, it, he really, I think he really felt like they weren't doing enough to get the right personnel on the field in third down. And it could be, that there is some philosophical difference there. I'll give you another one. It could be developmental, is that he doesn't like the way that uh, Martindale has tried to get young players advanced. And obviously, Patrick Queen is not where the Ravens want him to be. Malik Harrison is not where the Ravens want him to be in terms of, of you know advancing in this league in the right place. And you could come up with other players too, but, but those are two pretty damn big ones. Yeah, and and Ravens spent a lot of draft capital there, and and Martindale has to take some of the blame, even though you know Rob Ryan was brought in. If you let Rob Ryan, you know, use his shtick with Patrick Queen, and it doesn't work out, and you're the defensive coordinator, you're still ultimately responsible, Absolutely. and you're ultimately responsible as the head coach too. Absolutely. So, How did we not mention Rob Ryan as? I mean, like as a possible, he's not a candidate. <laughs> I would hope he's not a candidate. Yeah, but I mean, he's certainly. He certainly uh, has the resume to uh, be a defense coordinator in the NFL. I, I think for the probably not, I was going to say for the right opportunity, but in his case, it's really be for the wrong opportunity. <laughs> I think it could happen. I, I, I don't think it'll happen here in Baltimore. I really don't see it. I also I, I'm, I'm praying that that's true. I, I was yeah. shocked that he was hired. It, it was it was an interesting move. And I thought, OK, I'm going to go through a little bit here because I, I, I watched very closely at camp this last year how the interactions between Rob Ryan and Patrick Queen. And here's one of the interesting things is that Patrick Queen does not play special teams. They have mm-hmm. a 20 minute special team session at, at the beginning of I don't know if it's each practice, but it's at least most practices. It might be every practice. So that's the first thing they go out there and they do. Well, if you don't play special teams, you're in your positional group or you're doing some fundamental things. It so happens that every other inside linebacker plays special teams for the Baltimore Ravens. Welch, you know, Malik Harrison, Board, all those guys are, are, are special teams players. So Patrick Queen is standing over there alone with Rob Ryan for 20 minutes. Now, during that time, at first, Rob Ryan was doing some things that were almost cartoonish in nature, but but seemed to be a positive 
you know, learning thing for Queen. He's moving around a towel and he's saying, I'm this guy, you know, where, where do your hips go if, if this is a tight end here? And I mean, it was, it's a lot of very specific, position-specific coaching that I saw there. And, we, you know, all the talk about Patrick Queen was he didn't have that position-specific coaching. As, this, as the camp wore on, one of the things that started happening was they had these tackling donuts they use. I don't know why. It's like a Queen. big tire, right? Like, yes, a, like exactly. a giant truck tire. And then, they, yeah, they roll a tackling donut. And, and you know, the idea is you, 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 you grab it and, and your you arms one go. one arm in. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, get your, you get your arms inside the donut and you, and you make the tackle that way. So anyway, I don't know why Patrick Queen became so attached to a tackling donut, given, you know, what we've seen in the regular season and tacklings from it. But he, he would kind of lean on the tackling donut. And there's, there's certain things growing up playing football you even learn is that, is that coaches don't like you to sit down at practice. Okay. They, they, don't, they don't like Arms you. doesn't even like the reporters to sit yeah, down. Yes. He won't let you, won't allow you to sit down. If you're, if you're a reporter, that's absolutely true. Only Ozzy and, uh, and DaCosta get to sit down. And, uh, otherwise if, uh, if, if you're a reporter, you, you have to stand up. I imagine the Scott, I imagine Deshotty can sit down too. Yeah. Back <laughs> at the building. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, uh, the, the, the point I was making was that it, it seemed to devolve as camp moved on into something much less useful for Patrick Queen. And so for that reason alone, I'd say I am not at all impressed with what Rob Ryan brought to, brought to the 2021 Ravens. I don't expect him to be back as, as an assistant. He, he may go somewhere else in the NFL because he's been a journeyman, obviously, but I don't expect him to be um, and back with the Ravens as an, as an assistant or as an inside linebacker coach. So, uh, if he's around the camp, maybe his resume, uh, to me. So, uh, to me, he's clearly the lesser Ryan brother mm-hmm. and he has, he has been associated with a hell of a lot of underperforming defenses in his career, in my opinion, yeah. uh, certainly in new Orleans, uh, and other places. His, his job was so specific in this case. And you, you know, it's, it's apparent to a, untrained eye mm-hmm. you know that, that this this just he's not getting through this guy he doesn't relate to patrick queen the way you would hope a, a, a defense coordinator would be able to to yeah. you know get on him uh and, and and that's what jesus that's what patrick queen needs i mean just he needs position specific coaching yes. how to tackle how to shed blocks how to identify coverages off the line of scrimmage how to figure out what the hell is going on behind you you know all of those things are position specific i, I you know, i've made this point a couple times on this show i do not want to see workout videos from patrick queen this offseason i want to see position specific coaching in practice I want to see him doing that. You want to, you want to, if you're Patrick Queen's agent out there and you somehow get, get a listen to this because somebody told you the, the, the videos you want to freaking have Patrick Queen post are of him doing something, which is obviously learning coverage technique or learning how to tackle properly this offseason. Not, you know, how much can I lift? How, how much can I, how fast can I run? How quickly do I look going through these ropes or whatever it might be or tires? I mean, just don't waste my time. So what did you think of, uh, Queens. So, so uh, famously, Queen had a position shift to the weak yeah. side uh, and seemed to blossom. Uh, is that how you see it? To talked a little bit about this with Michael Crawford on the inside linebacker positional review. So I'll let people go back to that show if they want a thorough treatment of it. But basically, he had some good games and he did a lot. Did some things a lot better. Um, he well, some splash plays too. 
Yeah, he keyed off Josh Bynes in a lot of ways when he wasn't maybe sure of his own responsibility. And Josh Bynes is very good at that, uh, has very good play speed um, that's not reflective in his actual speed. And Queen was able to do a lot with that. Uh, And he's just a much better chase player, a much better trail player than he is at the guy at the heavy side of the formation. And so I I thought it, it was a good move for him. I just, he regressed also towards the end of the year and had some more bad tackling games. So, you know, it was, there was an up and down performance. Patrick Queen has a lot to learn about playing the inside linebacker position and the excuses are no longer valid. He's been in the NFL for two years. Sure. He missed his first year in training camp and sure. He's learning the position late and blah, 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 blah. I don't care anymore. You know, they have one year to decide whether or not they're going to sign Patrick Queen to that fifth year option. This is his year to, to be a star for the Baltimore Ravens. And if he, if he can't do that, he's let the Ravens down. If he can't demonstrate clearly yeah. that, that he has to be signed to that fifth-year option, he's let the Ravens down. And, and unfortunately, yeah. I think that's what we're probably headed for. So uh, in, in a discussion about Wink Martindale, this leads us to his handling of the development of the inside linebacker prospects mm-hmm might all by itself be justification for making a change at that coaching position, whether it's his handling of them specifically or his entrusting the development to Rob Ryan and that's yes. a bad judgment or whatever, it it that that in itself is reason to make a change. I could buy it's, that. It's it's you know it's a possible reason. And you know, more of the story will come out. And I I'd, I'd rather not speculate any further than that. We we're trying to talk about who who uh, Wink is and largely he's a great defensive coordinator that we really yeah. appreciate. And yeah. you know if if we're t- if we're if, if there were three or four straws that broke the camel's back, you know, there, there were some other uh, heavier weights that broke the camel's back before then. And, and we're going to it's probably going to come out why this exactly occurred or what was the schism between Harbaugh and Martindale mm-hmm. that, that didn't really uh, allow them to see eye to eye on things. And I, I just don't want to speculate right now as to what. That so one, one of the things that will be very telling will be what ha- what what Martindale does next. You know, yep. if, if he wants, if it's if it's not a personal issue or family issue that requires time off from him, then he will unquestionably land on a defensive coaching staff somewhere, somewhere yes. as a coordinator or a linebackers coach because he is just too damn good and he's demonstrated yep. that he's too damn good. So where he winds up will tell us a lot about um, yep. about what the discussion was or, or, or what happened here. I'm sad, honestly. I loved yep. watching his defenses play. I think that. Uh, 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 something that fans got on him a lot for was how many long touchdowns the Ravens gave, gave up uh, mm-hmm. and often on blitzes. And, and, and to me, I would uh, give him a complete mulligan on this year. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase running free against a guy who wasn't even on the roster two weeks ago. To me, that tells me nothing good or bad about Wake Martindale's skills as a defensive coach. It's just a mismatch right. personnel. Nothing you can do about it. Uh, uh, to me, what tells me more is the performance of the 19 and 20 defenses cumulatively mm-hmm. and the adjustments he made uh, against the Chiefs this year. That tells yeah. me more. Yeah, it, it gets the Chiefs against other teams as well. But I would I would agree that's a that's a great place to start. Um, you know, if, if you want to want to think about one other thing that might have been the end is that the Ravens had one of their worst ever tackling seasons this year. And and it it starts at inside linebacker where a lot of the issues were. But there were a lot of issues at safety in terms of of not getting people on the ground. Clark had a decent year. Um, Elliott had some problems. Stevens had more. And, Do the Ravens uh, have enough speed at safety to get in position to tackle as well as they need to against the kind of players that the Ravens deep uh, secondary plays against? 
Um, it kind of depends on who you're talking about, whether, whether uh, you know, you're talking about Elliot or Stone. I, I, it's, it's a whole other conversation. I just, it's too much to get into. But uh, I, I like where the Ravens are headed in terms of having more safeties on the roster. I think they'll go with five safeties this next year, all of whom can play as needed on defense. So they won't have a Levine next year where he's, he's not really a guy they want to have on the field on defense. They showed a, very, a, a great willingness to have Tony Jefferson on the field. Of course, it's you know week 15, week 16 when that starts happening. And, and you know the Ravens didn't have anybody left, but then he played very well. And, and so I think it would be exciting to, to, to get him back on some sort of deal that would be Levine-esque, maybe allow mm-hmm. him to take Tony's role as the um, – uh, sorry, Anthony's role as the head of the uh, uh, def- uh, special teams units and, you, and also play dime. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought I interrupted you. No, that's it. I, I just it, – it's, 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 it's play dime and play quarter for that matter because I think the Ravens – you know, it, it, there's, no def- there's no inside linebacker the Ravens have who they really would like to have on the field currently on a passing down. Yeah. That's, it's just that simple. I mean, Patrick Queen should not be on the field, and neither should uh, Queen has Hines. the physical traits to be the guy that they think they want on the field, but he doesn't process. He doesn't have the, 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 the knowledge, let's say, right. the, the play knowledge. Yeah. And that, Do that, you think that they need to draft a safety? Um, they, they, it's certainly a position they could invest at. So if they, if they have their guy on the board when it's time to pick and he's the, he's the free safety of the future, I have no problem with that. If they want to go out and buy the free safety for a few years, I don't have a problem with that either. If Jesse Bates is their guy, I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, he's certainly a ball hawk and he might be a little undervalued this year. We'll see. Um, a handful of different you know, ways they could approach this, but the needs on the defensive line at cornerback and offensive tackle are so great. Yeah. They're going to have a very hard time overlooking those. But if it, you know, the second round pick, I think is the earliest I would expect a great free safety choice to be made. And it's got to be a free safety. Yeah. It yes, can't yes. be a strong safety. That's the talent type that they have not yeah. had. They've had the combo guys and the strongs, but they have not had yeah. the, the guy who could play single high if necessary, the free safety. Right. So Stone is really the only guy on the team right now who fits that mold. And, and uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good, patient, behind-the-receiver bracketer, which mm-hmm. makes him a good interceptor. But uh, he, he, you know, a lot of people would tell you he doesn't have the speed, and that's why he lasted until the seventh round yeah. uh, to really play any more than, than, than half the field on a cover two. All right, we we got to call it here in terms yeah. of of this, Jim. So appreciate having you on for this show. I appreciate you offering to do it, staying up well into the night to 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 get it done. And uh, you know, it's it's just it is a sad day in Ravens history, and Wink is gone. And and I, as much as I would love there to be a reason, I really hope it's nothing personal. And and it's just it's a it's a difference of opinion between him and Harbaugh, as opposed to something, uh, you know, worse and and you know that 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 might really require him to step away from football for a period of time. I, I think I'm with you. Uh, best wishes, you know, uh, uh, the hopes to him and his family. It, uh, I'm in an odd position as a fan, right? Cause he's my guy. I don't want to see him go elsewhere. So, so I, I, I caught myself almost wishing that it was not a philosophical difference, but then I realized the implications right. would be suffering for like his, his family or something. So I guess I'm wrong. I absolutely don't hope for that, but, right. but if it is something like that, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's speedily resolved and, whatever and, and we won't know for for weeks what's going on and, and maybe for months 
All right. Well, Jim, tell folks again where they can get in contact to talk football with you. Well, so I'm on Twitter. I'm at zip underscore Jim, uh, or maybe just search for Jim zip code on, on Twitter. Uh, I have, uh, over the years been on the RSR forums, not so much this past season, uh, but you can find me sometimes on the RSR front page. I've been doing a weekly, well, during the season, I was doing a weekly breakdown of the Ravens, uh, receivers, uh, the uh, the final installment of which will be coming out out pretty shortly as soon as I write it. Um, but that's that's what I'm that's where I am. All right, outstanding to have you, Jim. And I, other folks out there, I'm looking for people to do a fixing the Ravens series with me. So if you have a, a fairly narrowly defined fix for the Ravens, offensively or defensively, uh, fire Greg Roman is too broad. Uh, you know, uh, how the Ravens need to depend more on a big nickel defense against 12 personnel teams is might be perfect. You know, it's I, 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 something that specifically addresses, uh, you know, a, a, a group of players or a specific stratagem uh, to really get at how can the Ravens fix themselves offensively and defensively coming into this 2022 season. Because it's obviously a team with some significant holes right now that they're going to have to fill uh, through the draft free agency and and uh, and scheme changes as well. Uh, Jim, thanks again for coming on. Ken, thank you for having me so much. I really, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy all of these that I get to do with you. Love talking football with you, Jim. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.